I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ryan Meeks, and after years of trying to make life work as a struggling artist, independent filmmaker, and musician, I thought to myself, hey, self, wouldn't it be helpful to ask other artists how they're finding their path in this world? And so now, that's exactly what I'm doing on a bi-weekly basis. Welcome to the Path of Art. Welcome to the Path of Art. I'm Ryan Meeks, and today on our show, we have Jeff Whiteley. So Jeff Whiteley is a local musician in Utah who has, he started his own foundation, and he he's in multiple bands himself. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Could you give us a little introduction just about yourself? Well, first, thanks for the invitation. It's great to be here. Uh I have been a guitar player since the age of 12, and it's been a wonderful thing to be a musician, not always easy. And I guess the the main claim to fame these days is when we I started the nonprofit Excellence in the Community in 2005. Mm-hmm. The purpose was to create more and better performance opportunities for Utah musicians. Right. And that came after basically a lifetime of performing all over Utah, lots of great high-profile gigs, and essentially going nowhere Mm -hmm. and wondering, uh, what's wrong with this picture? I could tell more stories about that. but I think that's, I think that's a well-known feeling yes, here in Utah. Yes. You, uh, many, many people are extremely talented and could, could, can delight an audience, can bring an audience to its feet or to bring tears to the eyes of people in the audience. And then they finish the gig hoping something will happen. And in our case... It doesn't. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So... Um, my spouse and I, she's a singer. We started thinking about what could we do to make things better. In fact, this was kind of the life-changing moment for me. Instead of saying, well, we're just getting older. The group is sounds fantastic, but mm-hmm. nothing's happening. I used to look at that as a failure. Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking, maybe it's not a failure. Maybe it's an opportunity. Because it's not just my group. There are dozens, hundreds, Many hundreds mm-hmm. of fantastic artists in Utah that could be doing amazing things and, and deserve mm-hmm. to in terms of their accomplishment. But the opportunities weren't here. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. We were playing, we were regulars at the River Horse in Park City for many years. Wonderful place to play. Mm-hmm. It's a restaurant, but it had the distinction of having an area set aside for the musicians. So it actually looked like musicians were supposed to be there. 
Mm-hmm. So architecturally, there was an attempt to say, we got some music for you tonight. We have, the music has some lights. Right. You know, there's some lights on the, on the artist. We had wonderful evenings there, quartet, lark and spur. And uh, I thought maybe we ought to start asking for more money. So I set up a meeting with the owner. And he said, oh, I'm so glad to see you, Whiteley. I've been wanting to talk to you. I'm thinking everything's fine. <laughs> he says, there's something really wrong with your group. Hmm. Took me aback. I, I hadn't expected that. And he said, uh, people don't leave. When you play, the people just stay. That was a bad thing? In his mind, he wanted <clears throat> to turn over tables. Oh, right. But we kind of took it as a compliment that we were quieting the conversations and people wanted to kind mm-hmm. of focus on uh, what became a concert. So turning a background music gig into a concert. He didn't like it. Um, I'm, I'm leaving out details. But that's kind of the premise for excellence in the community. Mm-hmm. What would it take to get Utah musicians out of the background music business? and get them onto concert stages so that the public, visitors, and residents could actually realize, my goodness, this this group's good. My goodness, listen to that drummer. Listen to that singer. So the premise for excellence, many, many people acknowledge that Utah has fabulous resources in terms of talent. Not so many are involved in doing something about that or in harnessing that resource. Mm-hmm. So, in 2005, we started uh, the Excellence Project, Excellence Concerts, and we began raising money to put on music, uh, put on concerts featuring Utah musicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of similar to uh, why I started this podcast. You know, I felt that um, art here can use more publicity. It could use more, uh, just something, right? Something to get get people more invested in it, and and I've actually found that uh, a common theme. I interviewed um, Derek Dyer. He's the uh, uh, he is the guy that started the Utah Arts Alliance, and it was kind of the same thing with him. He just he wanted more exposure for Utah artists. So he started Excellence in the, in the community, and so. Uh, where where is it going? How how is it affecting the, the community? Well, we've we've just crossed the about the eleven hundred concert threshold. Wow! So we've produced eleven hundred concerts. All the musicians have been paid. We do concerts. Our um, our flagship project. We do many different projects. They're all under the same umbrella: mm-hmm. excellence in the community or excellence concerts. The flagship project is at the Galavan Center. Mm. There we do big band dances on Tuesday nights on the outdoor stage and uh, Wednesday night concerts. Those are more variety, different styles of music. But we do those twice twice a week all through the summer. In the cold months, once a week at the Galavan Center. We work with the Holiday Arts Council. We do eight summer concerts there. We work with the Egyptian Theater in Ogden, and we do eight concerts a year there, monthly there. We work with the Covey Center in Provo. We do eight or nine concerts a year there. And when budgets allow, we take concerts to rural Utah communities and to rural schools. 
So last year we did 132 concerts. Wow. And this year we're probably on track to do a similar number, but we've already done 20 concerts in rural communities. And I just want to make a comment there. You should see the kids' faces in Salina or Gunnison or Bicknell or uh, Loa. These are wonderful communities. They don't often get the quality of music that we would like to bring there. So it's a real fun project. And so how um so how does the uh how does this work? So is the excellence in the community uh a foundation that's is it just uh making connections for bands to be able to play places? Is it scheduling that no, how is we, how is it how does it work? We're the booking agent. Oh. We we book all of the uh the we book the concerts at the venues I've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Excellence does it. Excellence manages all of that, including the sound and the lights, in, mm-hmm. in most cases. In some cases, not. But by answering the question, the yeah, yeah, yeah uh, we do it. The, the bands come to us. People suggest artists. We try to check them out. And we, we try to create as many opportunities as we can. Mm-hmm. And In fact, that's, uh, that's something uh, that uh, – my, my assistant was mentioning today, we can do a lot more if we had more uh, more funding. Mm-hmm. We're, we see all kinds of opportunities we can't get to. Uh, another important point, Utah is growing. Mm-hmm. But, oh, but back to one th- thing that you mentioned. Right. What we want to do, once a journalist asked me a real good question that is very seldom asked, he said, uh, what does success look like for excellence? What are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. We want the fabulous talent resources in Utah to be woven into the fabric of Utah life so, to such an extent that people grow up saying, I had a fabulous community. I, I grew up surrounded by fabulous musical opportunities. We want tourists, visitors to our town, business travelers to say, you know, I knew Utah had great skiing, great mountains, great canyons. I didn't know they had great musicians. Now I do. Music to match the mountains. We want this talent resource that you've talked about, that most of the Utah artists recognize. Mm-hmm. We want that to be woven into the into the brand, into yeah, the into image. The ex- into the experience of Utah, right? Well said. Into the Utah experience. And all of the talent is here. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have to develop it. The development needs to be on the receiving side, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. Right. The, the combustion is here on the artistic creative side, on the receiving end. That's where we're working. Mm-hmm. And so does and does excellence in the community primarily work with musicians or is there, uh, is there acting or other artistic uh, avenues that it uh, helps with? Primarily with musicians, often with dancers. But it is true that we have our eye on other fields, but for the moment, we just do what we can with the, with the cards we've got. Well, that is – that's fantastic. I love that you're doing this. It's it's good to see people in the community trying to help the community uh, with learning learning more about art and, you know, just the, the publicity of it. And so I, I just think that's – that's such a wonderful thing that you're doing. Is there a future picture of excellence in the community that uh, stems in Utah but grows out of Utah? Very good question. People from other towns approach us all the time. 
and say, could you come to Anaheim or Dallas or they mentioned, or uh, a recent one was Boise. Could you come and set up excellence there? The answer is we could. We would love to. We we think we've got a real good track record. We've made a lot of mistakes. We've learned a lot of lessons, but we think we know how to do it. We think we could help many communities. And a community uh, here in Utah just called us up and said, can you come down here and guide us? And uh, we, we, we drove down and told them, uh, yes, we can help you avoid the mistakes and we can help you build a successful program. Now, the other element we need to mention, all of our concerts are offered at no charge to the public. Wow. They're community concerts by design. Mm-hmm. We want kids to come. We want parents of modest means to bring their kids to these shows. And just like you've talked about, the power of art, the power of quality music to make a difference in a young child's life. It happened to me. I mm. was a clarinet player in the band. I went to a, a, a junior high school hello day assembly. Sitting down there, the curtain opens up and there's a rock band. The first band I'd ever heard in my life live. They they start hitting those guitars, the jangles went from those strings. There's something powerful about that, isn't there? I was 12 years old. And so the strings are jangling. My soul is jangling. I turn to this stranger next to me, a kid sitting next to me. I don't know him. I say, this is pretty cool. He says, I've got a guitar at home. I followed him home. He taught me my first chords. We formed a band. And this is, the, this is another interesting point here. I have no musical gifts. Many people have the ear that I know I don't have. Many people have the musical imagination that I wish I had, but I have the heart that responds. Mm -hmm. So I've worked really hard, but I I know, like in that instance, um, this kid had the musical ear, the gifts, and uh, he he was a good mentor. But now again, take that experience and multiply that times these elementary schools in rural communities. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing to see. Some, when we're doing concerts at these elementary schools in rural towns, I look at the kids and then I can't sing the harmonies because my throat constricts. Mm-hmm. It's an easy, this is an easy gift that Utah could organize to give to children throughout Utah and for generations to come just by recognizing Utah's historic um, uh, desire and drive for accomplishment in the arts. It goes way back to pioneer times. People have been surprised at what they've found here mm-hmm. in terms of art. So our simple message is let's harness that for economic, social, artistic, and, and, and uh, community development. Let's, let's make this part of the brand. Right. There are – Utah has – it has some gems in it that you just when, – when you find them – it's it's kind of like just discovering something, you know, like discovering a a new restaurant that you love, you know, or 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 uh, discovering just just something that's that's unique, right? So on that note, what artists do you work with, and have you worked with? Well, the list is really long, mm-hmm. but let's just go recently. Okay. Um, tomorrow night we have Ryan Shoup and the Rubber Band at the Holiday Town Hall Park. Mm-hmm. Wednesday night, we had Andreas Reyes Jazz Quartet 
tribute to jazz guitar. Tuesday night, we had the Night Star Jazz Orchestra. Uh, I'm going backwards here. Saturday night, it was Imagine, the Beatles tribute band. Wednesday night, it was Jazzy Olivo. She's from the Dominican Republic, lives in Utah, uh, singing uh, her, uh, her original songs. So she's a kind of a Latin jazz artist. Oh, Tuesday night, I think it was the the Phoenix big band. You know, let me just get the list out. Is that enough? Or? Oh, that's that's plenty. I mean, it seems like it seems like you've you've grown quite a bit. Oh, yes. And so it's. I mean, it it's yeah. It seems like you have a lot of artists, and you've grown to the point where this is a really really big thing that's happening. Uh, we we started with one concert, and the owner of Hires Big H Restaurants, Mark Hale, mm-hmm. heard my pitch. What I was trying to do in two thousand and five. Mm-hmm. In those days, we charged for tickets. We put my group, Lark and Spur, at the Westminster College Vive Gore Auditorium. Mm-hmm. We sold it out. I gathered up the money. I paid the bills, paid the band, paid the venue. And then I took the rest of the money to give back to Mark Hale. And he said, keep the money, put on another show. Wow. So that's 1,100 concerts ago. And what I wanted to say is... Artists from the Utah Opera call us and say, can, can we work with you? The Utah Symphony, uh, we have many great relationships with Utah Symphony players. There's the Intermezzo Chamber Music, a classical uh, chamber music group, and they do fabulous work, and we work with them regularly. And it, it's a joy. And I tell people, we work really hard, but the secret is um, it doesn't feel like work. Mm. You know how it is when there's a good musical experience— the soul, the heart is is refreshed. You're enjoying doing it at the same time. Oh, yeah. We go home, all of us. We go home just smiling, saying, mm-hmm. that was fun. That one went well. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. And uh, we we would just like more people to experience it. We would like to find the resources to take this throughout the state mm-hmm. on a regular basis. We have towns that ask us, when can you come? And we have to say we'll have to check the budgets and get back to you. That's a problem we'd like to solve. Yeah, so I would even go as far to say that that effect that you were describing that happens in in those small towns with people that don't get the type of entertainment that you bring, um, I would say that that it also is having an effect on the musicians. Oh, that are that are enjoying the these these gigs that they're that they can play through you. I could provide a lot of letters from musicians uh, that would illustrate the point you bring up in, in their own words. I'm a musician. You're a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- many of the people that work with excellence are musicians. And the point there is I knew what was missing. And what was missing was I wanted someone to understand how, how significant our accomplishments were and how those accomplishments might enrich the quality of life in Utah. Instead of the the general concept of a Utah musician is... Now, this is a funny story. It ties into this point. Many people in America, too many, seem to need guidance from the media as to what where they should put their attention regarding mm-hmm. music. And what we're trying to say is 
celebrity is not always does not always equate musical excellence or to musical excellence. We're saying, wouldn't it be wonderful if Utah as a state would recognize accomplishment, whether or not the people were famous, and and support and honor and create opportunities based on musical excellence? I think that'd be a great uh, a great example for the rest of the nation, just to support when people get good, put that put that accomplishment to use. I agree with that one hundred percent, and so. On that, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be right back. We're talking with Jeff Whiteley. He is the founder of the Excellence in the Community Foundation, and this has just been an excellent interview. We can't wait to just dive in to his backstory and how he got to where he is. We'll be right back. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Path of Art. We're here with Jeff Whiteley, the founder of the Excellence in the Community Foundation, and it's been a great discussion so far. Uh, Jeff, I'd like to dive just kind of into your past a little bit. Like, what got you interested in music in the first place? So we, we kind of talked about that. Uh, what got you interested in in rock music? You you had that experience where you were playing the clarinet and you just saw the rock band, which is, you know, when you hear rock music for the first time as a kid is kind of the same thing kind of happened to me i was i was in my bedroom and i just got a stereo you know a radio and uh i turned it on to like an alternative rock station this was early 90s right and i heard smashing pumpkins for the first time bullet with butterfly wings and i was just like oh my gosh this is me. <laughs> so I just kind of want to ask you about, you know, uh, more about that. So what, what got you to pursue music more, you know, uh, when, when you decided that music was for you? Well, I, when I was very young, my mother used to make sure we went to the Utah Symphony and they had these Saturday concerts in the Tabernacle. I remember sitting there, so I must have been nine or ten that age. And they were playing the Overture to 1812, Tchaikovsky. Mm -hmm. And I remember responding. I remember as a little kid thinking, something's going on here. Something's reaching me. That was probably my first awakening towards music. And then uh, many people mentioned this of my age. I was sitting at home on Sunday night with the family watching Ed Sullivan. We had a black and white Admiral television set, and Ed Sullivan introduced the Beatles. There they were, and the first song they played was All My Lovin'. Again, something clicked within me, saying, I think I'd like to do that. Then... I mentioned that experience already about the junior high school right. curtain going up. 
so we were in rock bands from the age of 12, and we practiced three hours a day, three nights a week for the next six years. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I loved uh, I loved the gear. I loved looking at catalogs, showing guitars and amplifiers. and The whole thing was fun. And uh, the friendships were great. So I was just uh, playing in bands, and then... Uh, then everything was just fine. You graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. So then the band breaks up. Some people go different places. You, you know, we're not in the same areas. So then we formed a band there at college. That got pretty good. And then there was the mission, and that interrupted things. Mm-hmm. And then when we came back, it was the era of disco. 70s. So, so we mid 70s. So mm-hmm. we, I came back in 75, gotcha. and we tried to get keep a band going. Musicians were getting married. Uh, no one wanted a, mm-hmm. a, a live band. The the nightclubs were organized for the disco kind of thing. The DJs. It was very hard to keep it going. And you said you mentioned marriage. That's when. The band that I had that was starting to actually do something broke up as well. Was when me and my bass player, I had a kid and he had a kid. And then the drummer decided that she wanted to just play in her other band. <laughs> you know, the whole dual band things. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? Where 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 family, because family is, is a central part of the culture here, I would say. Yes, and I think it's a very good thing, and it's a, it's a conflict that people have to think about. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, think, I think this is actually, this is where a negative or a possible obstacle, it has been, can be turned into a positive. Because of the emphasis on family, because of the emphasis on the natural beauty of Utah, Many fabulous musicians who otherwise would leave the state choose to stay, and they make their peace. I, 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 I work with them all the time. Mm-hmm. They've got another job, but they've never given up on music, and they're just fantastic. But for family reasons and other reasons, mm-hmm. they choose to stay. That's one of my points I make in the presentations. Uh, this is a, a, a positive cycle that spirals upward. The quality of life keeps fabulous musicians here in Utah that could make a living in New York, Nashville, L.A. or Chicago or yeah. elsewhere. They choose to stay here. And then by choosing to stay here, that accelerates the quality of life or enhances the quality of life even more. We just seek to m- get this cycle moving more quickly. Mm-hmm. But, but, but back to another point. Yeah. There was a moment – well, I'll go back one other thing. Oftentimes, what appears to be negative can be turned into a positive with mm-hmm. the right attitude. Correct. When I graduated from college, I didn't graduate in music. I thought music was too much fun and that I was supposed to be at college to be pursuing things that were a little more... I had a very similar train of thought <laughs> when I went into college. So I've got to be serious here. I've got to, So I, I went into other courses and things I loved... Um, when I graduated, I couldn't find a job, and I was looking for uh, these job opportunities in the want ads. I couldn't find anything. 
I had a former student of mine who had hustled a job as a photographer for photojournalist for Associated Press in Paris. I wrote him and said, well, I don't have anything cooking here. Could I come and spend two weeks with you? So my brother and I, we were guitar players. He said, yes, come. So we took the Martin acoustics and flew to Paris. And when we got to his apartment, he said, I got to go. I, I, my, my work is taking me to Argentina to cover the World Cup. I'll be gone for a month. Just don't ruin the apartment. Here are the keys. So we were young, and we had money for two weeks, but we had the lodging for a month. Hmm. So the money ran out after two weeks. And so what do you do? Do you go home? Hmm. Well, Maybe play on the corner. That's exactly what we did. So we became street musicians. Mm. And now the interesting thing there is that was kind of the big education of my life because when we started out, we were frightened. And when you're frightened, you can't be that good. The vibration you're sending out to the public is, we shouldn't be here. We're not certain of ourselves. And if you're a bad street musician, you're kind of in the way, especially in a Paris metro tunnel. Mm. Your guitar case is on the floor where they want to put their feet. Right. So if you're no good, you're just kind of a nuisance. Mm -hmm. And if you're shy or feeling embarrassed or scared, no one's going to throw money. So we knew we had to figure out how to relax. And here's the, here's the big lesson. Your joy in being a musician in being young, in speaking French, in being in Paris, has to be stronger than the indifference of the passers, mm -hmm. the passers-by. And you have to kind of reach inside yourself and say, how good am I? That's, that is so hard when you, when you question yourself, how good am I? Because it, you spend so much time writing and you spend so much time learning songs and then sometimes you just don't know am i any good well in in our case you have to put in the in the street singer's case you put your back against the wall you reach inside yourself and you realize i've got to make this work or i've got to go home so we learned how to get them to stop and that's that was the big education for me and our host was gone all the time. We were supposed to be gone for two weeks. We were there for six months. And the big mistake in my life was coming home. Hmm. We, we started in the streets, but we ended up, my brother hustled us a concert tour of Switzerland, sponsored by the, one of the largest travel agencies in Switzerland. Wow. So they paid us to sing, and we were kind of the bait put in the newspapers to attract mm -hmm. people to come to these concerts. And then we would sing, and then the Swiss company would talk about their tours to America, and we would sing some more, and it was, it was just great. Mm -hmm. And that's where the school idea came from. The, the Swiss company was taking us to all of the major Swiss cities, and we said to them, we're not doing anything in the day. We'd be delighted to play in a Swiss school. They organized those things, and it was a wonderful experience. So the point is, 
in becoming a street musician, I became a street musician because I couldn't find a job. And it turned into the snowball rolling downhill. Mm-hmm. And the big mistake, as I said, was I would love to give this talk to high school students and let them know, uh, use me as a bad example story. Mm-hmm. One should, I wish someone had told me what an opportunity looks like. <laughs> it's hard to tell. Well, but an opportunity has a price tag on it. In our case, mm-hmm. a smart move would have been we're young, we're free, we're not married. My brother spoke German. I spoke French. We had these people in Switzerland wanting to help us stay. If a, roll, if a snowball is rolling downhill, stay. See how far it goes. That is some, that is some strong advice. And I see we, we, our, our way of thinking was we'll be back. But there's that Robert Frost poem, you know, two roads diverged in a yellow wood. But uh, two roads diverged in the yellow wood. Long I stood. And, well, I'm not going to give the whole poem. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get to the line I'm looking for. I'm sorry. <laughs> I doubted if I would ever be back. But knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I would ever be back. Mm-hmm. So the point is that concept of nothing cooking on the job front, so go to Paris and then run out of money in Paris – Oh, go try the metros. And then, oh, this is a failure. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, let's analyze that and turn it around. And so that's where excellence comes from. Yeah, I was going to say I've learned something recently that um, running away from these failures uh, through life, it means that you're actually running away from victories because failures can be turned into victories if you keep pushing through. So how did you find the victory of excellence in the community through well, through this? Yeah. Uh, we had – so that was the first adventure in France. And then later I heard uh, this young woman singing and she had the voice of an angel. Mm-hmm. And I said to her – in Utah, I said to her, if – if you were singing in the streets of Paris, something would happen. And she surprised me by saying, let's go see. So I played acoustic guitar, Martin D35. She had a mandolin and she sang. And we started singing in the streets of France. The very first thing we did was recorded by, uh, they called those uh, pirate radio stations, unauthorized mm-hmm. radio stations. Mm-hmm. The, the owner of that, he recorded it and then broadcast that. And... It was, again, the case of the snowball rolling downhill, that her voice was such that people recognized the quality and stopped. And pretty soon we were invited to be on French television. We were invited to perform at the Fête de l'Humanité. That's the biggest musical festival in France. And it it was, again, this is part of the educational process. The French people by history, by education, by inclination and culture, they stop when the quality catches their attention. Mm -hmm. And they have their own inner uh, compass to say, hey, this might be on a street corner, but there's something going on here. 
And that's what I've always loved about France. I could tell more stories about that. They're really fun. So all of that, the contrast between the sense of momentum in France, where mm -hmm. you could go from the street to an invitation to be on television, was really exciting. And we had the same naive thought, if we can do this in France, think what we can do in, in Utah. But the years went by. Mm -hmm. We were the regulars at the Stein Erickson Lodge for a couple of years. We were the River Horse. We played things, uh, events for the Utah Symphony. We played for the governor. Each time we thought something's going to happen. We, you know, there was yeah. that hope. We're, we're going to go somewhere. This is getting really good. And the it, answer, didn't. It, it didn't go anywhere. But that, again... That's where things changed. Instead of looking at that as a failure, that's this is the Zen concept of absence calling forth presence. Mm -hmm. What isn't there that should be there. So as soon as I started saying, it's not just Lark and Spur. It's the whole concept of music in Utah mm -hmm. that is underestimated. Correct. Underutilized, undervisible. Mm -hmm. And... It's right here, ready to go. So in t 2005, there were lots of discussions in Salt Lake City about an idea called Downtown Rising. And, hey, I said, I saw this in the newspaper. If you want a, if you want a great downtown, just find an upscale venue and put Utah's best musicians in there 365 nights of the year. And if the locals don't come, the tourists would love to see that. And the tourists would be dazzled. Agreed. The tourists would be stunned and amazed at what they had never heard about, but they discovered in Utah fabulous music of all genres, all mm -hmm. genres. So I took that to different people, and the one who listened was a Mayor Ralph Becker. And I was managed to get an appointment with him, and he was really tired. And they ushered me into this his uh, kind of conference room area. He was very polite, but he it looked like I was just boring him to death. I was talking about these things. And then I said the line, uh, you know, Mayor Becker, Salt Lake City is really close to being a magnificent city. And he just came alive. So that's what I believe. That's why I ran. And now we were talking. I said, well, this simple exercise of harnessing the talent that is already here for the public good, that will be a big step towards getting Salt Lake City into the magnificent category. Mm -hmm. So some time went by, and then his office called me. And they said, we're doing these meetings about the arts in downtown Salt Lake City. Mayor Becker wants you to be a participant. So there were three meetings. And this is where I, I'm very grateful. Mm -hmm. I was the only practicing musician in this group of people. Oh. Invitation only. And it was the, the executives of the Utah Symphony, the executives of Ballet West, architects, city planners, lawyers – no musicians. So you were probably the one that knew the most about it. Well, as I was there, I was intimidated by 
the, the, these people who had much right. more success than I had. And the, uh, at the opening reception, Mayor Becker greeted me, and then he took me aside and said, I know what you want to do, and I know you're kind of shy. Speak up and tell these people what you told me. I'm paraphrasing, but that was the mm. sense. So I did, and the people didn't like it. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, uh, people would come to me and say, you say the same thing over and over again. I say, yeah, because I think this is the answer. This, and maybe people aren't listening. And, maybe, and, and one guy took me aside, a real nice guy, very competent and a very high official in, uh, in city government. He said with some heat, okay, Whiteley, you say this all the time. I don't buy it. You say these musicians are fantastic. If they were any good, they'd leave town, they'd go to New York, they'd get famous, and then would be interested. Again, that was such a strange idea to me that I was taken aback. I didn't have the right answer right at the moment. Right. So, it, it is hard in those situations, especially when, I mean, even just you telling me that he said, said that, like, oh, my gosh, just kind of, it just kind of triggers me. Yeah. <laughs> but in the moment, I imagine it's hard to come up with a response, right? Right. So I went to some of the musicians we work with, and uh, I said, what would you answer him if this comes up again? And one of them said, tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about. Amen. My group is booked in Carnegie Hall in two months. That's a good answer. Another one, this was great from uh, a jazz musician, jazz sax player. Tell that guy, maybe we like it here. Right. But when I tell that story, many times people laugh because the person saying to me, if they were good, they would leave so that, we, so that I could know if they were any good. It's actually a, a, a kind of a, a, a sad statement on he needed – someone to tell him, mm -hmm. you know. That, like he couldn't tell. Yeah, and it's kind of like that Woody Allen joke, uh, I would never go out with a girl who would be crazy enough to go out with me. <laughs> it's like I could never recognize Utah talent as talented because I've got a chip on my shoulder. Uh, right. It has to come from outside before we'll recognize it. Right. But now, this is – I'm just cutting to the chase here. Mm -hmm. The final – there were three meetings – at the final meeting, Talitha Day of the Galavan Center, who had not been invited to these meetings. Mm -hmm. She's the manager of the Galavan Center. She was there because the meeting was in Galavan Hall and her job was to pass out the parking validations to the people. It's the last meeting and I say, I might as well go down swinging. Right. So I just stood up and said, folks, I'm going to say it again. You've got everything at your fingertips. The talent is here. It doesn't need to be developed. It's already developed. It just needs a place. It needs a venue and just a little bit of organization. But you want a sharp, a wonderful downtown. Let's build it with music. Let's build it with musical accomplishment. Let's build it with diversity, all different styles of music. Let's show people what, who we are as musicians, as artists. And... You know, nothing. And then she grabbed me at the end of the meeting. We have to talk right now. So up until that point, Excellence had been just struggling to 
keep things going once a month. This was in this was in November of 2011. So we met right there in that same space. Everyone's leaving. We're talking. She says, "Can you bring your concerts here?" I said, "We'd love to." She said, "We do community concerts, but I bet you guys could do them better than we do them." I said, "Well." We'd love to work. This is a fabulous venue, heart of downtown. It's mm-hmm. exactly what, what I was talking about, a great venue in downtown. Let's get exactly. going. So that in December of 2011, we did our first concert there. And one more detail. Up until then, we had charged for tickets. Mm-hmm. We were a nonprofit. I should say we're not a foundation. The correct oh. word is a, a 501c3 okay. or just a nonprofit. Gotcha. Foundation is a legal term, slightly different, but it's okay. It carries the idea. Uh, when I, she said, let's get started, I said, great. What are we going to charge for tickets? And she was surprised. She And she's a fantastic partner, a wonderful mm-hmm. friend and colleague. She said, oh, we can't charge. That's part of the mandate. The concerts have to be free. And my heart kind of sank. I thought, well, how are we going to pay the musicians? Right. How are we going to cover the costs? And she said, I told, as that was my question, she said, and I love these words, it's okay. The idea is so good. We're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to work together. We're going to find the money. So we started out, as we had been doing before, one concert at a time. Can we pay the bills that night? Just hustle, hustle, hustle. 1,100 concerts, most of them at the Gallivan Center. That is amazing. Thank you for for that story. That's fantastic. And, and I, I know I'm just getting emotional myself just listening to you talk about this. Uh, we do need to wrap this up, and it's been such a good opportunity and just just such a great learning experience talking with you today. If there's anything that you would say to someone that's starting out today, what would what would you tell them? If some if someone said, "Hey, I need some advice. I'm a musician. I'm just starting out." What's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Music is wonderful. It's hard to make a living at it. The quick word is do everything you can, but make sure you've got you're prepared for alternate outcomes. Many people have to have – many people in the circles I deal with are fabulous musicians. They have a daytime job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the other thing is the world's going crazy and it never needed quality music more than it does now. And the lessons of music, we could talk for so long. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons we do what we do is because it's, it brings refinement. It reinforces the best parts of human nature, the part of human nature that loves something enough to get good at it. And a final note, let the fire inside of you burn away the dross, like down there in the in the subway tunnel, metro tunnel. Let the joy burn away the fear. That's good. So, Jeff, where, where can people find you, the people that are, that are listening to this? Where, where can they find Excellence in the community? Do you have a website? Yeah. Do you have social media? Yeah, excellenceconcerts.org. And on that social media note, the live streams – of our concerts, which we started with COVID and have continued, mm-hmm. uh, just past the 27 million view mark. Wow. So we've got quite an internet presence. And the 27 million viewers have spent 24.3 years 
cumulatively watching Utah talent. Wow. We think that's good for Utah. I think that's good for Utah, too. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an excellent interview. And for those of you out there, if you're a musician and this was helpful for you, please you know, help us and submit a, a review and like the podcast. This has been The Path of Art with Ryan Meeks. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to The Path of Art. If you or someone you know is creative and would like to tell your story, reach out to me at rmeeks at ksl.com. I might feature you on the show. If you liked our conversation, please make sure you follow the show and give us a five-star rating and review. It really does help people to discover the show. Also, make sure you follow The Path of Art podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.